Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. Great job, Liam. Thanks very much indeed. I'm not sure why really, but I just feel nudged to just to remind everybody about where we were last autumn when uh, we talked, especially at our Vision Sunday and so on, about the unexpected changes that happened to us a few years ago and how we were closing that financial gap just to make sure that finance never got in the way of all that we were doing. And it was just a quid a week. Remember that conversation? Just a, a quid a week. And I, uh, I'm not sure why I'm saying it this morning other than a little nudge that maybe some of us need to just go, oh, I, I really was planning to do something about that uh, and haven't done that yet. So uh, the nudge is uh, there. Don't shoot the messenger. Well, you can if you like, but uh, 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 that's, not, that's, not the, that's not the purpose of it. We're, we've come to the end of the Daniel fast, and the Daniel fast is by definition, like any fast, anything we're trying to do for a period of time, it's a stretch. Uh, and the elastic band stretches and at the end of the three weeks, you, you kind of let go of the band and it pings back. And if you've ever tried to fast from anything or to change your rhythm about anything, you know what it's like for that elastic band to ping back and to whack you. And uh, that can be our reality in these post-fast weeks. Uh, And what I've been conscious of uh, and what I'm conscious of now as we go into these next three or four weeks in this series is to invite us to be exploring where is the area of our lives where we've gained some ground during the fast that we don't let go of so that it pings back but that we hold on to. We can't hold on to everything, otherwise it wouldn't have been a stretch. There are seasons. There are seasons to plant and there are seasons to uproot. There's a time to kill something off and a time to embrace something. So there are, there are seasons. The seasons are super important. But as we stretch into a season, sometimes there's ground that we've taken hold of in our lives that we need to hold on to as we move forward. And in different ways over the years, there are different things that, for me personally, I've tried to hold on to. That as we move into the rest of the year, where is the work of God in me that I might take hold of the work of God through me? Sometimes it will be very simple around something that I eat or something that I drink or changing a, a particular moment in that. So early on in, the, in, in, in that kind of journey, it was that very simple decision for me that the first thing in the morning would not be for me reaching for the coffee. It's, a, it's a overdone, it's over-cliched, but for me that first thing was kind of an important relationship that I had with coffee, and it was an important decision to say, no, that's not your story, that's just mine, yours will be different. But just a very simple example of saying to God, hey, I'm, I'm stepping more fully into what you have for me as a person because of the stretch. I've stretched this muscle through exercise so that I can carry on doing something that doesn't feel like exercise. So if you went to the gym in January, you will know that it's very busy. Let me tell you, gyms are not always that busy. 
Because what happens is that same stretch and it snaps and we let go. But you will know that if you push through to exercise, if you've been doing the couch to 5K or something similar, you will know that when you started off, you couldn't run for two minutes and it left you completely out of breath and you felt you could never make progress in that area. But now to run for two minutes doesn't even feel like exercise. You with me? Because you've stretched that muscle and now you can maintain it. And it doesn't have the same stretch that it had when you began. So what are the things that have created stretch that we're able to take hold of because we've established them in our lives? And the truth is it takes more than three weeks to establish something in our lives. And that's why what happens in these next three weeks, people talk about six weeks, but who knows what it really is. But what happens in this next few weeks helps to bed in and hold on to ground that we've gained or just let it uh, uh, kind of uh, ping back and, uh, and take us back to where we are. Prayer is that whole area where it's so relatively easy to have a stretch and then let go. Because honestly... If you've prayed for a little while, you will have thought to yourself, goodness, this is boring. Uh, And if you held yourself back from smiling for fear it would give away your inadequate spiritual lives, you were probably fibbing. And that's another issue, a subject for another time. What ground have we stretched in that in this whole area we can hold on to? And, and I think in its broader sense, we're thinking about prayer because as we look at the life of Jesus, it seemed to be the one constant thing that he held on to that made sense that oxygenated, that energized, that empowered everything else. And I know that something needs to change in me so that prayer moves from being a duty, and if it's a duty, I can do it for three weeks, but I can't do it for a year. Prayer needs to change from being a duty into a delight. If it becomes a delight for me, I can do it for the rest of my life. I don't have problems doing the things that bring me pleasure. Do you? But whilst it remains a duty, it's in that stretch season. And it will always ping back. Uh, and so uh, just, just some of the verses that I've been reflecting on, this one from the, from the Psalms, uh, kind of highlights this Wow, there's something there for me to grow into that is not fully realized by a long way in me. As the deer pants for streams of water, a deer desperately needs streams of water to survive in the rocky and desert places. That's the picture. It's not, 
It's not a nice to have for the deer to find streams of water. It is the very essence of remaining alive that the deer needs the streams of water. So my soul pants or yearns for God because it's not a nice to have. It's not that through these three weeks of Daniel fast, it's made me feel good about myself, God, the year that's coming and my overall spirituality. It's a nice thing to have, like the icing on the cake, that it is actually the cake itself. And without the cake itself, I cannot sustain or oxygenate my life in the way that God planned it. I need it to move from a duty to a delight. And that's the journey that I'm inviting us to lean into together over these next few weeks. Because I guess like me, you don't struggle to do things that you desire. But I guess like me, you know what I'm saying when I say that personal prayer is hard. And you will know what I'm saying when I say that corporate prayer is hard. In fact, we we know that it's so hard that we avoid it generally. The cultures in our churches is to avoid the prayer times because it brings us face to face with how hard it is. Why does the clock stop in a prayer meeting? Have you ever been five minutes in and thought, goodness gracious me, come Lord Jesus, quickly come. (laughs) And you also know That the very thing that brings you alive, you will go, where did those hours go? I I only meant to sit down for a minute. Moving from, excuse me, moving from a duty to a longing. Are we longing to be satisfied in our prayer life, in our connection with God? There's another verse that through the Daniel fast has really spoken to me in a good way and kind of taken the pressure off. You know that sometimes you read a verse that you know very well and you see it in a very different light. I am an encourager, a fan of encouraging people to read different English translations. Not because you're trying to squeeze it to say something that you want it to say. That's clearly a misuse of using various translations. But it helps us recognize sometimes the inadequacy of our English language, the inadequacy or the the limitations of any translation from one language to another. So when someone tries to recapture something that's being said, there is often an essence there that you can clearly see in what you've been reading, but you only see it now because you've been able to see it from a slightly different perspective. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 was one of those verses when I read it in uh, the Passion Translation. Who's been, who's been reading the Passion Translation of the Bible? A couple of you. Great. Dig it out. It's interesting. It's uh, helpful. It's challenging. All of that stuff. It's good. 
Verse 13, God will continually revitalize you. Who's going to revitalize you? God. Now that takes the pressure off, doesn't it? Because I often try to revitalize myself. And that doesn't go so well. God will continually, continually revitalize you, implanting within you the passion, the desire to do what pleases him. You see, God's work in our lives is all a work of grace. And why is that so important when we come to prayer? Because our natural, maybe our Protestant work ethic, I don't know what, our desire to earn stuff, our natural posture when it comes to prayer is that if only I prayed a bit harder, and if only I prayed a bit longer, and if only I kind of flagellated myself a bit more, then somehow prayer would work. As if it's all about my effort. God will continually revitalize you, <clears throat> excuse me, implanting within you the what? The passion to do what pleases him. The message puts it like this. So let's gather all the translations that people think are a bit suspect and add them all in today. That energy, Eugene Peterson says, is God's energy. An energy deep within you, God himself, who's doing the work? Willing and working at what will give him the most pleasure. The New Living Translation, we're getting close to something we might feel is respectable. For God, who's doing the work? God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power To do what pleases him. Not duty, but desire and power to do what pleases him. Go back to the never incorrect version. For it is God who works. Who's doing the work? God in you to will, to will you and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It's there all along. There in Philippians chapter 2, Paul is reminding his readers that the very will and purpose that God has for your life and mine is not something that we can strive for or we can work up in our own energy, but his gift to us is to give us both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So how do we tap into that? Because I need that stuff, don't you? It's interesting that When the disciples were asking that question, how how do we tap into this? They kind of instinctively knew and said to Jesus, Jesus, we need to tap into whatever you tap into. We need to drink whatever you're drinking. We, We need whatever it is. And they said, so teach us to, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. Into the verses that Liam kindly read to us some moments ago. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by power and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Anxiety is being presented to us there as a choice. Now, let's just be clear in what 
I think that's communicating to us. We use the term anxiety in our current mental health context to talk about all kinds of mental health issues. That maybe this verse is not suggesting gets simply addressed by moments of prayer. And many of us know the reality and the heartache of that. But if you were to talk about worries, I think that helps us access more accurately what's being said here. Because when we worry, when we worry, we are saying that God is not able to sort it out. When we worry, we don't mean to say that, I know. And we wouldn't say it out loud because we would know instinctively that it's wrong. But when we worry, we are effectively agreeing with our spirits that God is not able to sort it out. We have a choice. Do not worry. Oh, but we do. Our health, our jobs, our parents, our family, our friends, our kids, our departure from Brexit, our joining of Brexit. The end was going to come when we joined Brexit. Now people are telling us the end's going to come because we're leaving Brexit. Plenty of things to worry about. Do not worry about anything, but in everything. I would have preferred it to say every other day or once or twice a week because I could manage that maybe. But in everything, with thanksgiving, well, occasionally, I feel like thanksgiving, but I often feel a little disappointed in prayer. I don't feel that thankful because I can see all of these prayers that God hasn't answered yet. But with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So do I take hold of my own experience and say, actually, it is better to worry it is better to, every once in a while, try to be thankful. Or do I hear the call of God to stretch into something else, to embrace a reality that is not yet mine, knowing that what Paul had already said in this letter is that God will do that for me and in me, because His will and His desire will work in me if I let Him. So notice with me what it says. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by what? Prayers and petitions. I would like to hazard a guess that 95% of your praying is covered by the word petitions. So what on earth is prayer? Because when I get to pray, my natural tendency is to get out my list. Have you got a list? Sometimes you've had a list for a long, long time. Please, there's nothing wrong with your list. There is everything right about your list. Whatever you do, don't throw away your list. 
Don't stop praying for what's on your list. They prayed for the enemy of the church, Saul, for years. And one day he had a miraculous conversion. What if they'd stopped praying the week before that had happened? And think of all the times that God has come through at the 11th beyond the 11th hour. Whatever you do, do not stop praying for your petitions. But join me in asking the question, if I have made prayer my petitions, what on earth is this whole thing called prayer? Prayer and petitions. What if prayer is about God's work in me before it is to do with God's work in something or someone else? What if there's this whole thing called prayer that I'm missing out on because I'm obsessed with my petitions? And to be honest, I can't wait to get to my petitions quick enough because I'm quite frustrated that God doesn't see it my way. I'm quite annoyed with him that he doesn't do the things that I'm asking when I'm asking him to do it. I know you're more patient and more gracious than that, but I find it annoying. And I'm anxious to get to my petitions, if only to tell God about all the things he's still not doing. But what about this whole thing called prayer? Prayer is a great invitation to be in his presence. Prayer and petitions. And you've, you've heard me say this before. And if you're one of those people who, who thinks that every Sunday needs to be something new, these next ten minutes are going to be really disappointing. And, and you can turn to the person next to you at the end of the sermon and say, oh, I've heard him say that before. Go figure. Go figure. Said it before. I'm going to say it again. It is, I think, one of the most vital things for us to understand in our journey of faith. And it starts way back in Genesis. And if you're getting worried about the time, let me tell you, so am I. (laughs) Way back in Genesis. When in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as the climax to that creation, he created people like you and me. Turn to the person next to you and say, do you know what, you're the best. You're you're way better than the fish in the sea and the chimpanzees in the trees. You're way better. You are the best. And God said, let us... Let us, God, let us make mankind in our image. The first insight that we get that what is fundamentally true about God is that he is in relationship, albeit with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And what unfolds through the whole of the scripture is a revelation of that relationship that is at the heart of the universe. There is one God at the heart of it all, but that one God is three people in relationship. And so we get the story through the Old Testament of there being an anticipation that that God would send someone who is him. Way back with Abraham, the Lord will provide the lamb 
The lamb in the thicket. Way back with David, King David, the promise that one day a king would come who would be an eternal ruler. Something was going to happen. This God who was there, somehow not just God, but a relationship, was somehow going to break into our world. And then we get Christmas. And Christmas is not the story of God doing something. It's the story about a father giving a son into the world. And, and, And the way that happened was that the Holy Spirit rocked up and said to Mary, I'm going to overshadow you. That must have freaked her out, to be honest. You know, most of us get freaked out when we say we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit rocks up in an angel and says, I'm going to overshadow you. I mean, bless her. Because it was a story of what this God was doing in relationship. And Jesus says, do you know what, actually... Everyone thinks this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is doing the healings. Jesus is doing the teaching. Jesus is doing the miracles. And Jesus says, you know what? It's not really me. It's the Father doing his work in me. All the people go, huh? Because how can we understand what God is doing? And that was the revelation. And so just before the cross, Jesus says, not my will but yours be done. And then it says that God, the Father, raised the Son from the dead in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so there's this story of this amazing relationship that is always, always been at the very heart of the universe, that amazing relationship that has never been broken, except when the skies went dark and the sun cried, Eloi, Eloi, Lamech, Sabachthani. My God, why? For that moment, there was this break in the Godhead. And I don't think for all eternity we will ever understand what that was like. Nothing to do with nails and a cross. They were almost the sideshow to the break in relationship. Did it go dark? You bet it went dark. And then the birth of the church. I'm going to send another one who is just like me, who will bring honor and glory to my name, so that the Father this kingdom might be established. So all of that's going on, this amazing relationship. What's all that got to do with prayer? Because of this verse. At the end of Jesus' ministry, he says to the disciples, as he prays, and they're listening to his prayer, otherwise how would they know what he was praying? So he's praying a prayer out loud, which incidentally is a kind thing to do because other people know what you're praying, and we can all say the amen. So Jesus prayed out loud first. It's not a bad idea. I pray also for those who believe. Who are those who will believe in him? Well, that's me. That's me. Yeah, you too. I I pray for those in Ipswich in 2020 who will believe in me through their message, the first disciples' message. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us. You are invited into the relationship that lies at the heart of the universe. The deepest, most secure, most satisfying, most fulfilling, utterly loving relationship with God. And you are invited to join. That's what prayer is. And we've reduced it so often to telling God the things he already knows we want. You are invited. And to be invited, of course, is to change. How can we be in relationship with him and not to be changed?
final thought. Sometimes kids are cantankerous. Rarely Christian kids, but worldly kids can be cantankerous. Occasionally you will see a father or a mother slightly at their wit's end. And it's only 8.30 in the morning in Primark. And they're wondering how they're going to survive the rest of the day. And you don't know whether to feel sorry for the parent or for the child. And you've been in that space. And you've tried every tool in your toolkit to shut your little darling up. And it hasn't worked. And in a moment of sheer brilliance... You forget about all the punishments. If you do that again, you're not going to have pocket money till 2,000 and a million. If you do that again, I'll send all your food to Africa for uh, 10 years. All the ridiculous things your parents said that you promised you'd never say to your own kids. You've said it all this particular day. And then in the end, because you're totally exhausted as much as they are, and you scoop them up into your arms and you begin to sing. And something changes in that moment. you with me? Something changes when they feel your embrace and they hear your voice. Something changes. It says that he rejoices over us with singing. That he gathers us in his arms and leads those that are young. And he quietens us with his love. Prayer is the work of God in us. I invite you this week to spend a few moments before you reach for your petitions or maybe to decide you're going to leave your petitions for a whole week because, hey, God knows what's on that list. He won't forget. I promise. He knows what's on that list. And he knows the things that should be on the list that you haven't realized should be on the list yet. So you can leave the list for a day or a week or a year maybe. It's safe with him. He loves you. And maybe instead you could pray. Which might be just, that's that verse, just to allow you. Allow you to be quietened with his love. For you to begin to hear him rejoicing over you with singing. And in that moment, the desires of our hearts begin to change. And things that were always a duty become an incredible delight. Let's pray. To pray is to allow the Father to scoop you in his arms. To pray is to quieten the noise in your heart and your head to hear him singing over you. To pray is to say yes to enter into the relationship at the heart of the universe. And he cried out, Eloi, Eloi, Lamech, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus was abandoned by God so that you might never be. 
Jesus was filled with darkness that you might be filled with his incredible light. Jesus separated from God that you and I might always be one with him. And that is his prayer for us that has echoed down through the ages. May they be in us. And so we're coming back this morning. And all we need to do is just say, I'm here as I am, receiving your love, your grace, your forgiveness, everything that you've done for me. I, I have nothing to prove. I can't strive. I can't earn it. But I'm allowing you, I'm giving you permission to gather me in your arms. And so the Lord Jesus broke bread and gave it to his disciples. This is my body given for you in remembrance of me. And after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new promise, the new covenant, the unbreakable promise in my blood. That you would forever know that you are in me and I am in you.